we continue worshiping together today, I'll be reading today's scripture from Eugene Peterson's The Message. Receive this reading from Luke chapter 12. Jesus continued the subject with his disciples. Don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or if the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There's far more to your inner life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the ravens, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, carefree in the care of God, and you count far more. Has anyone, by fussing before the mirror, ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? If fussing can't even do that, why fuss at all? Walk into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They don't fuss with their appearance, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the wildflowers, most of them never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, not be so preoccupied with getting, so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. Receive what the Spirit is saying. I invite you now, together with all of us who are in this space, to pray together. Christ, be in our midst. Ground us in this time and place by the power of your grace. Hold us and heal us, renew us by your word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Steep yourself in God reality, in God initiative, in God provision. This is Eugene Peterson's interpretation of Luke chapter 12, verse 31, directly translated from the Greek, it simply says, seek the kingdom. Steep yourself in God reality, 
God initiative, God provision. I really like this interpretation. I think of a tea bag that is steeping in the water that gives the tea a way to share its flavor. Steep yourself in God. I think of the words of St. Paul who taught that in God we live and we move and we have our being. Steep yourself in God. Today, Jesus calls us to remember that God reality, to remember that God desires our well-being, that God provides for us, that God is always with us, willing our good, our highest good, and that all we have to do is seek or steep ourselves in that loving, life-giving reality. God is always there, always holding us, always wanting to give us what we need, but we're not always aware, consciously, of it. Our focus so often gets drawn to other things that can sap our energy or tempt us to believe that those things and not God will give us what we really need. What is your life steeping in? Are there worries and distractions, perhaps, that are drowning your joy and your energy and your hope? Perhaps it's work or fear or exhaustion or confusion, malaise or dullness. Or are you perhaps swimming in the concerns that Jesus highlights in our text today? Concerns of being or having enough. Am I enough just as I am? Or do I need to obsess about my appearance all the time to make me okay? Do I have enough to sustain my life? Or do I need to feel worried all the time about the need to get more? During my five-month health and spiritual renewal leave earlier this year, I intentionally began really focusing on these kinds of questions, bringing them into my prayers, and seeking to make concrete shifts in my own ways of thinking and being and and doing. One practice that I took up during that time was a fast from all social media. I'm still pretty much observing that fast after five weeks back. It didn't take long into my time away to realize just how often, completely mindlessly, I would pick up my phone to check in, to check in uh, to see what was going on, to check in on the various sites, to see what folks were up to, to see if I had any messages or if people had liked me. 
that is liked my posts. It was a bit startling to realize how steeped I was in all that stuff. And I began to wonder, how often am I checking in with God? How often am I checking in to see what God's up to? To listen for messages from God? To be reminded of how much that God doesn't just like me, but loves me? So then the question became for me, and perhaps becomes for us, how do we recalibrate? How do we steep ourselves in God reality, in God initiative, in God provisions? How do we deepen our relationship with God in ways that allow us to live more freely, more joyfully? Throughout the scripture, there are many words used to describe or give guidance for how to, to dwell in God, to be in God, to commune with God, and not only words like prayer, but also words like abide and rest, listen, stay awake, be still and know, watch, in quietness and trust. And then there's that moment with Elijah on the mountain when mighty wind and mighty earthquake and great fire pass by one after the other, all these signs that in the past God has shown up in to the ancestors, but this time Elijah standing on the mountain is there and they all pass by one after the other and Elijah doesn't experience God in any of them but rather in a cold de mama dacha, the sound of sheer silence. In my experience, when there's too much silence for too long, people start to get uncomfortable shift in their seats a little bit, like, what's supposed to be happening? Somebody forgot to do something? Someone needs to nudge the person who's supposed to be doing the thing now. Why is it so quiet? Our lives are steeped in noise and in constant activity and action plans and words. What comes next? Silence leaves us with nothing to distract us from ourselves and all of our life's complications and concerns. Perhaps that's why so many of us just keep the TV on all the time while we check Facebook and talk on the phone. We call it multitasking. <laughs> Nothing's getting in there except all that stuff. Why cultivate silence and space in which we make ourselves quietly available to God? Why would we do that? Well, in Howard Thurman's seminal text, Jesus and the Disinherited, a book first published in 1949 that helped inspire the civil rights movement, 
he writes this, something that I go back to again and again. He says this, quote, if the individual puts at the disposal of the spirit the needful dedication and discipline, that person will be able to live effectively in the chaos of the present, the high destiny of a child of God. In other words, when we attend to the spiritual work at our inward center, when we take ourselves into that place of stripped down silence with God, of encounter with God, then whatever the stresses and the overwhelming circumstances of our lives begin to have less power over how we feel and how we react. And we are then fueled and given grace through that space of encounter to live a life that reflects God's kingdom of peace, mercy, and justice for all people. It seems to me this is a strong case for letting ourselves go into that space of silent encounter to, to work on the inward center. Work that really cannot be achieved without traveling to that place of simple, stripped-down, silent encounter with God. Silence and being drawn into the inward center are practices critical to deepen our relationship with God and to be strengthened and guided amidst the challenges of our world and our lives. Let me hasten to add, not every person has the constitution to sit in silence for long periods of time. Uh, you know, in meditation and prayer. There are some folks that are just sort of, as my granny would say, turned that way. They know how to do it, they can do it, it kind of comes naturally. But not everyone is gonna have that constitution. But even saying that, and by the way, there are also practices that you can learn to how to practice silence. I'll talk a little bit about that. But even for those of us whose constitution is really more towards praying with our hands, all of us need times of stillness, and inward focus to abide with God and in God. A good way to practice stillness and silence is to focus on your breath. The late Vietnamese Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh says that the beginner's exercise is simply this, breathing in, I am breathing in, breathing out, I am breathing out. You repeat it again and again, and after some time, all of a sudden, you are simply your breath. I'm, who am I? What am I? I am breathing in. I am breathing out. This simple practice changes how we feel in our bodies. There is solid uh, science to back that up. It shifts our nervous systems, and it allows us to settle into our bodies in a way that gathers us in from all of the other places that try to pull us out of ourselves. We land when we focus on the breath. To focus on the breath is a practice aligned with our understanding of Holy Spirit. The word for Holy Spirit is ruach, which also means breath and wind. And as Pastor Ben reminded us a couple of weeks ago, we are all intentionally created out of love by a God who breathed life into us. 
When we focus on our breath, we are consciously acknowledging the life-sustaining presence of God. One of the ways that I have drawn this into my own daily practice is to do a breath practice with words that I repeat over and over again. I have managed to figure out the best time for me is to do it while I'm steeping my tea. I've got seven minutes. I set the timer, and I breathe. And I use these words. Breathing in, I know I'm loved. Breathing out, I am loved. Breathing in, I know that I'm held. Breathing out, I'm held. Breathing in, I know I'm protected. Breathing out, I'm safe. Breathing in, love and grace. Breathing out, gratitude. Seven minutes, breathing, affirming, God reality, God initiative, God provisions. And check this out, one more thing on the breath. I could, I could spend a lot of time on this part, but check this out, one more thing. I was given a YouTube video recently. It's a Richard Rohr, you'll know many of you will know Richard Rohr. And he was sharing in this video something that a rabbi friend had taught him about the sacred name of God, Yahweh. The consonants chosen by the ancients for the sacred name of God are the only consonants that, if pronounced correctly, don't allow you to use your tongue or your lips. Pronouncing the sacred name, you see, was an attempt to imitate and replicate breath, inhalation and exhalation. I want you to imagine and, and bring into your mind the first word you ever spoke in this life was the name of God. The last word you will ever speak without having to try to remember to say a prayer before you die is the name of God. It's the one thing you've done constantly your whole life. Isn't that extraordinary? God makes God's self so available. As close as your own breath. But what about us? Some years back, I was struggling to sleep, and I shared my frustration and exhaustion with one of my spiritual teachers, and she asked me when I was waking up, and I said it was between two and three, and she said, well, that tends to be a very spiritually alive time. And I said, well, that's fantastic, but I need some sleep. <laughs> and she said, well, it's likely God is trying to get through to you. I don't remember, honestly, what my blathering response was to that at the time, but what I do remember is what she said next. She said this, Okay, but when are you really available? And I got nothing. 
to say to that? I said, well, maybe I guess between 2 and 3 a.m. <laughs> she then assigned me a new way to pray. Uh, she told me to either use a journal or my computer and to bring myself into the presence of God using breath and prayer and meditation. And then once I was fully present, to simply listen and to receive whatever messages came and then to write them down. And she said, don't judge the messages. Don't try to figure out where they're, just write it down. And I've been doing that now for many, many, well, hmm, I don't know how many years. I have, I have journals full of messages. Now, this isn't going to work for everybody for all sorts of reasons. But the point is to find some stillness and some silence and to make yourself fully available and listen for what God wants to say to you. Listen in silence or listen through the words of Scripture or through music or through poetry, but listen. God wants to hear from all of us for sure, and God also wants to share with us. Listen for what Spirit is saying in the suffering of your life as well in the joy, in the anxiety as much as in the peaceful place, in the drudgery as, as well as the beauty. Listen to all of it for what God wants to say and share and reveal. Another Thich Nhat Hanh phrase to use in breathing practice is breathing in, I am breathing in. Breathing out, I have arrived. Now, where do you suppose he's talking about? I have arrived in the present moment. In the present moment. The present moment is where we meet God, where God reveals God's self, where God speaks to us. But as I would imagine some folks saying, but do we really have to practice being in the present moment? Aren't we sort of always there? I mean, we're there, right? But I also imagine that we're all aware of how much time we dwell in the past or run ahead to the future worrying about something that has yet to pass and may never come to pass, regretting and toiling and stewing on something that's already gone, and in the midst of all of that, missing what's happening right there in front of us, missing the conversation we might have with another person or with God or noticing the things that are around us, the things that God might be wanting to say to us. We miss it. One of the great great teachers of paying attention, which is part of this practice. You come into the present moment so that you can actually pay attention and see what is happening in your life, what's really happening. You know, there's a thing that I was afraid of for a long time, and one of the practices I've started doing is when it pops up in my head, I just say, it's not happening. Right now, it's not happening. It shuts it down. It's kind of amazing. It's not happening. One of the great teachers of paying attention, of being present to the particular life all around, of being in conversation with God while observing and experiencing the joys and the tragedies, the courage and the vulnerabilities of life, is the poet Mary Oliver. Oliver, who died in 2019, consistently focused her work on the landscapes and little universes that made up the place where she lived. She received whatever she encountered as an opportunity 
to learn, to be graced by God. In one of her most famous poems, The Summer Day, Oliver says this, I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? It is no small thing in our culture to know how to be idle and blessed. Constant activity, productivity, distraction, and to-do lists miles long are the prevalent mode and focus of our days. Silence, stillness, intentional breathing that draws us into the present moment, deep listening, paying attention to the grace that is all around us, these things are much less emphasized or taught, if they're taught at all. And yet their absence from our lives leaves us disconnected from our inward center, disconnected from the spiritual resources that help us live in the chaos of the present, the high dignity of a child of God. It's part of the goal of the spiritual life to receive the peace that surpasses all understanding, to truly find our rest in the love and the mercy of God, to be idle and blessed. And nothing in our contemporary culture truly encourages us to be idle the way that Mary Oliver models, because the idleness she describes is not zoning out in front of a screen of some kind, but rather to be still and to wonder at the gifts of creation, of life, to ponder, to wrestle with, and delight in simple gifts. To be idle and bored, to be idle and tempted, to be idle and uninspired, to be idle and get yourself into trouble, these things are common and easy in our world. But to be idle and blessed is something else altogether. It is to trust what Jesus says that when we steep ourselves in God reality, our everyday fears and distractions lose their death grip on our lives. It's to know deep in our bones that we don't have to do anything to earn God's love and grace, that God's presence is as close as our own breath, that everything in and around us provides opportunities for growth, and that God desires nothing more than our highest good as individuals and as a people. Breathing in, we know we are loved. Breathing out, we are loved. Breathing in, we know that we are held. Breathing out, we are held. Breathing in, we know we're protected. Breathing out, we're safe. Breathing in love and grace. Breathing out gratitude. 
Breathing in, we are idle. Breathing out, blessed. Thanks be to God. Thank you.